Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, and what a remarkable baseball game the ball club Dundid played last night against the Milwaukee Brewers, um, because the, the club has been out of it for a while. I haven't really felt the need to break down individual games. We've been doing more series and narratives and plot lines and all of that. And I'm still not really going to break this down from a game standpoint, but there is, of course, one player here who we absolutely have to talk about. There's other things inside uh, of the game here, and I actually have some thoughts on Jonathan Daza and, and you know, even more on uh, Chad Cool. but we'll leave all that for another time because today is the day... For Randall Gritchick. When you have a game like that, you get an entire podcast dedicated to you. It's it's actually, there's a lot to talk about here when it comes to Randall Gritchick, so it's a good time to do this anyway. Uh, because there's a really intriguing question about what he's been this year, what can he be for the team in the future if he remains on the roster, is he a, a trade candidate in the offseason, and... And, and what really has he brought? Because it's been an unusual season for Gritchick, hasn't it? So let's begin, let's start at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. What's the most recent thing we've seen from him? Well, last night, for those of you who are checked out of the Rockies baseball team, but I guess still listening into this podcast. So thanks for that interesting dynamic. <laughs> but for those of you that don't know, a four RBI night is very, very good. But most especially those four RBI all coming at the very end of the game, according to the sports bureau known as Elias. Uh, the first time in Rockies history that you had somebody hit a home run to tie the game in the eighth inning or later, and then hit a home run to walk it off. Sometimes those stats are a little, get really, really specific, right? But th that's a pretty good one. That, that, that's a pretty solid uh, indication of just how big Randall Gritchick was to that uh, win uh, as, as such as it is in the <laughs> in the standings just a just a huge night for him really really fun game and, and to see him go deep uh, twice late one like I just said to tie it up and one to win it uh, the the game tying home run you know just <laughs> it's a weird thing to say just as important as the, the game winner uh, I mean obviously right there with all that had happened you know, they they were in that hole pretty early. Uh, it really didn't look like they had any life until the Jonathan Daza three-run home run that came before it. But a three-run home run that gives you a bunch of life and a bunch of momentum but leaves you down one, you know, especially if you go out of that inning still down, feels pretty frustrating. So uh, pretty amazing to see him cap off that part of the rally with a game-tying home run uh, and then an absolute no-doubter in extras after, uh, you know, Milwaukee had gotten one run off of the, the ghost runner thing. <sighs> I hate calling it that. The zombie runner thing. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going back to zombie runner. Um, a rule I still absolutely hate. Uh, you know, but the Rockies had, had gotten it, uh, you know, their opportunity. And, and rather than try to uh, small ball their way into the victory, just let Randall Gritchick hit the three-run home run. We'll, we'll go ahead and walk it off that way. So, where does that leave us with Gritchick on the year? I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> he's hitting 272, 
on-basing 314, and slugging 433. Now, those are, uh, according to his career numbers, all pretty good. The slugging down a little bit, the on-base up a little bit, the batting average up quite a bit. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a career 250 hitter, 249. Uh, last year, he was at 241 in Toronto, right? So a 272 batting average is quite a bit better than what he was a year ago. And his 314 on base is quite a bit better than the 218 he was last year and the 295 for his career. Uh, quite a bit better than his career, eh, but better than, right? Uh, that all amounts to a 94 WRC+. plus. OPS Plus likes him a little better at 98. But, but either way, you look at it just under the league average in terms of the bat. He's got 15 home runs on the year and 64 RBI. When you properly adjust for Coors Field and, and you don't, and I actually, and I can bring this up as I'm thinking about it, I'll, I'll take a look at his road numbers because that's going to be interesting information. But when you properly adjust for Coors Field, he's probably actually been right at or just above league average because uh, and, we, and we've talked about a lot of this stuff before it doesn't take into effect the hangover uh, effect and it, it it can miss a lot but either way even when you're adjusting you've got this number that has him right at basically his career his career wrc plus is 101 uh you know so his, his career ops plus uh let me see Oh, it doesn't really. I just moved over to his splits. But yeah, so so he's right basically around what he's been, despite the fact that he's getting there uh, in a bit of a different way. Like I said, the higher batting average, uh, he's still striking out at uh, basically what he has for his career. Uh, in fact, he's a little bit under 26% career strikeout rate. He's been at uh, 24 this year. So again, pretty consistent. The The biggest strange thing about his profile this year, and a lot of people pointed this out when he first arrived, because of course he, he came into the organization and trade for Raimel Tapia, whose biggest issue was hitting the ball on the ground way too much. And one of the big appeals of Gritchick was that this is a guy who hits the ball in the air. And so he should be able to take quite a bit more advantage of Coors Field and, and all of that, right? But as it has turned out this season, he's not doing that at all. He has a career high by a lot ground ball rate of 53%. For comparison, last year he was at 39.7, the year before 41. In fact, 40 is his career number. So 53% ground ball rate is dramatically higher than any other year of his career by at least 10%. And so... There's been a lot of debate about why that's happening. You know, are the Rockies coaches teaching him to hit the ball into the dirt? I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's going. It, it has a lot more to do with the types of things that we're always talking about with this team, with the adjustments and the hangover effect, and the fact that the ball moves quite a bit differently, uh, and, and that it, it can be as much as you're trying to hit the ball in the air, it can be quite a bit more difficult, especially once you go on the road and the ball is moving way, way different than it does for you at home. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, it's interesting because you could you could look at these numbers. Uh, you know, his fly ball rate is a little bit low, his line drive rate is a little bit low, and his ground ball rate is a little bit high, and think that with better adjustments to Coors Field, with maybe a, an off-season to think about it and, and prepare a, another strategy for it, that you could get even more out of Gritchick's bat. 
here, right? Uh, with 15 home runs on the year, projecting out, he looks to fall, especially because he hasn't gotten as much playing time as of late. Uh, probably not going to quite reach the 20 home run mark, but he still could. You know, a, a quick, nice, strong finish to the season. He gets to the 20 home run, but 18, 19, it's it, you know virtually the same, right? So uh, what are we looking at here? This is this is really going to be intriguing. Oh, and then for those of you uh, interested about this, Fangraphs War has him at zero point two, so just above uh, again a replacement level player, and um, and Baseball Reference sees him as roughly the same. Coming in a little better there at zero point seven. None of the metrics are in love with his defense anymore. Where in years past his defensive runs saved have been. Pretty solid, especially in right this year. Just one. So again, nothing. He's not. He hasn't cost the team out there. He hasn't been in any way a liability. In fact, I guess you could say that across the board, right? Randall Gritchick has been in no way a liability. He's been a good but not great base runner. He's been a good but not great hitter, and he's been a good but not great fielder. The Rockies are paying him six million because Toronto is picking up three of his total just over nine. And so this does become a really intriguing question because that's actually about, you know, right in, they're paying him a little bit more, though if he comes out to one win, which is what baseball reference will have him at, that's about what a win is worth, about $6 million. So, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like in some ways it may feel like he's getting overpaid or he has a name that was a little more well known and there's always that kind of hope and and possibility that a guy who's a, a power hitter is going to get more out of it when they come to Coors Field. You know, he does have a 30 home run campaign under his belt in 2019. A couple other times he's been in the mid 20s, and and he's maybe going to struggle to reach 20 this year. And, and so, has he been disappointing? And especially, I think that ground ball rate is really really stuck with people, right? Because the idea of bringing him in was to sort of get away a little bit from that style of play. And I don't think it's been on purpose at all. It's just something that's played out about his season. But I think, you know, this will be very interesting to see what the Rockies think of this moving forward, because the way I see it, they basically have like four or five outfielders in this same category of guy who isn't really costing you by no means. You know, I'll give you some other names now to, to add to the conversation. So we've got Gritchick, and I just broke down all those numbers for you. We've got Jonathan Daza. You've got Connor Joe. Uh, you've got, even at this point, you know, Charlie Blackman, uh, who maybe is going to play up in certain situations, but is well beyond, you know, giving you a, a three or a four win season, right? If we're talking about guys who are probably going to max out at a win and a half if they have a good year next year. Um, and, and and there's nothing wrong with having a couple of those guys on your team. The problem is you just you can't give too much playing time to too many of those guys, right? Especially this team that needs some thump added to the lineup and the team that hopefully, right, by their own design, is going to get Chris Bryant back next year. And so, well, you can't 100% count on that. Just projecting forward and looking at next year's starting outfield 
if Chris Bryant is healthy, he's your left fielder. So that spot is taken off the board. And now you've got all these other guys, and you're trying to figure who can be your starting center fielder and who can be your starting right fielder, especially if Charlie Blackman is your DH now, right? And I don't know that any of these guys are the answer. And I like all of these players, and some of them are still going to be on the team next year, but they can't all be. So it's been, I would even throw in guys like Winton Bernard and Sean Bouchard. I think they're intriguing, but likely to be, again, under a best case scenario, a one win, a one and a half win, not too dissimilar from what we're seeing right now from Randall Gritchick. Hit 270 between 15 and 20 homers and serviceable defense. But that's not really helping your squad move forward, right? The reason I think it could be interesting, especially if Gritchick has a strong finish to the year, uh, obviously there's the contract, right? So even though it's not a lot, $6 million is quite a bit more than Joe, Daza, Bouchard, Bernard, etc. Right? So if you did trade Gritchick and manage to offload most of the contract, even if you had to pay down the other half of it, right? So now you're paying down $3 million, but you get out from another three, and you go get yourself a little $3 million reliever with the money that you saved. But I've also said a couple of times that as odd as it is, I've, I've just named five or six players who I think can all probably hang at the MLB level. They're they're major league ball players, and, and a lot of these guys may be better suited in, in a fourth outfielder spot. I still think that the outfield is the place where it makes the most sense for the Rockies to go and add a big bat, to go from average you know, replacement level player or just above replacement level player and get a potential star level player. You know, and again, I need to look at, we're still a little ways away from putting specific names on the free agents available or, or trade targets that you would go and get. But at that point, if you were to add an outfielder to all this mix, then it really does make sense to start moving some of them out for whatever reason. And don't forget that Michael Tolia can play some outfield as well. And so he factors into this. And so if he's hitting well, and I mentioned this on a recent podcast, if you've got a situation where Elio Harris Montero and CJ Crone and Michael Tolia are all hitting well and therefore demanding some playing time, the best way to solve that problem is to put Tolia in the outfield. And then when you do that, then you have even less room for this group of Gritchick and and Daza and so on. And, you know, I think Daza's ability to play center field at a really good clip, and he had a nice night last night as well, uh, helps him quite a bit. But I think a lot of this is going to come down to who is available. Like, the Rockies can go and get a starting center fielder that they think can hit, then they should do that. But if it's not really on the cards or, the, or they can't land that guy, he decides to sign with some other team or whatever. But there is a, a big bat, you know, think last year's offseason, a, a Kyle Schwarber type that you can go and get uh, Conforto, you know, although that didn't end up. But, but you remember, that was the idea. You go get a big lefty power bat and stick him in right field. And, you know, th- then you're okay with your your kind of, 
rotating group of Daza, if Gritchick is still on the team, kind of figuring out with some of these other guys. I don't think Bouchard uh, is a center fielder. But they've got what's interesting here about this outfield, right, is that they've just they've got some depth, but they don't really have that star talent outside of potentially Tolium if they're going to play him out there. And then obviously, you know, Chris Bryant, if he's going to be healthy and you can get some star production out of him. So it's been a really intriguing season for Randall Gritchick as it all has turned out. His career number, his career slash line is basically just above his career numbers, except the slugging is down a bit, which is odd in, in the place he's been. So, you know, could you keep the guy around for he does bring certain intangibles? He's great in the clubhouse. People like him. He's a smart player. You're really not paying him that much. So if he ends up being a solid fourth outfielder that you can count on, uh, and a guy who's going to get regular playing time if there are any injuries, which of course we know happens, right? Then, then sure. There, and I guess that's kind of the point. It's it. There's nothing wrong with having Grichik on your roster, but there's also nothing wrong with exploring uh, a, a trade in the off season for somebody, especially if you could get, you know, a little bit of salary relief and a pitcher, something that helps you in another spot of your roster where you need some help. Where you feel like, yeah, we can make up for the loss of Gritchick as much as, you know, the 15 to 20 home runs is, is certainly the one thing. And the home run ball was kind of what he was brought in to do. And a lot of the rest of the lineup, it just didn't pan out that way, right? The home runs did not arrive. Obviously, Bryant not playing. Crone has slowed down with the home runs. McMahon continues to just not quite be able to seem to, to put that all together. Blackman's had a nice year in terms of the home run ball, but everybody else, obviously, Diaz has been a very disappointing season uh, out of the catcher spot overall. So they got to go find more home runs. That is the other thing. That's the I, I guess I would say that's the one big drawback to simply going, ah, well, trade him for some pitching and then go with either these young guys or or, or that, that's why they would need to go sign in order to make my scenario make sense <laughs> and work out well. You got to go sign or trade for a big bat in the outfield. And that's just where they need it. I don't see much room for messing around with the infield. I think your starting infield next year is Ryan McMahon. At shortstop, it's going to be Ezekiel Tovar when he's ready. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jose Iglesias is back, but in a veteran role. But it'll be Iglesias slash Tovar. That's what I think is going to be at shortstop. And the one position, but you're not going to go out in free agency and sign a superstar shortstop. There's too few of them. And again, they've, <laughs> as we all know, that, that ship has kind of sailed, hasn't it? Uh, and, and there just aren't too many guys who are going to hit 25 home runs from that position. And that's really what you need from a position player standpoint right now. And obviously, they need a lot of arms. But from a position player standpoint, you're fine. There. So Iglesias Tovar, I think, is about as good as you're going to do at shortstop. So you're good there. Brendan Rodgers become the team's best player. I wrote about it. He's been fantastic. I think he's going to continue to be fantastic. You're solid there. And then first base, you have all kinds of stuff. CJ Crone, obviously, still plenty of reason to think he's got plenty left in the tank. Michael Tolia, super promising and intriguing. Montero, 
They've got a few other guys. Some of these other guys who are, I'm sure Bouchard could play some first base if you needed him to, but you're never, you're never going to need him to. You've got too many guys who can uh, do that now. Uh, and so McMahon can step over and play first base if you need him to. You know, they got they got lots of guys who can play first, and several of them who, who can do it at an extraordinary level. So your your infield is basically set. Catcher is always a bugaboo. I know everybody wants their catcher to be better, but everybody wants their catcher to be better. So you know, you, there isn't a superstar catcher to go acquire. I guess I'll put it that way. But there are superstars or or stars at least, really good hitters out there who are outfielders who would presumably not balk at the idea of coming to Coors Field trying to put up some numbers and, and show off their athleticism a little bit. And so I, I'd love to see the Rockies go and get one of those kind of guys as much as it's been fun watching uh, Randall Gritchick. I think they just need the same idea but a step up, as it were. Or or to, And to go back to the other point, I think Gritchick could be a perfect fit on this team if it just there was one other guy. If, if Chris Bryant was healthy and playing like Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman was, you know, Charlie Blackman of a couple of years ago, then this version of Randall Gritchick, who just doesn't hurt you in any way and sometimes has a really good game like he did last night and, and does some pretty cool things for you and has the high socks and the glasses and all of that, he'd be perfect. The problem is the Rockies just don't have those other players who are holding up the, the bigger end of the bargain uh, to, to give you that production so that you can't just sit there and look at Gritch and be like, that's ah, perfectly reasonable, perfectly acceptable production for the contract. It's like, yeah, but the Rockies had too many guys who were just perfectly acceptable production for the contract, and that doesn't really get you very far after a, after a fashion, right? <laughs> so... Great game. I didn't want to th- you know throw cold water on the game. Uh, and actually, I don't think that is what this is. Grendel Gritchick's the perfect example and reminder that like, man, it's it. it you got to be really good just to just to be a slightly above league average major league baseball player. <laughs> like it's it's tough out there. And you know the, those downturns hurt him. He's he's always been a streaky guy. Well, if he finishes on a good stretch here maybe the Rockies can get some good juice out of him or and and if it goes the other way or if they just decide to hang on to him I think there's plenty of reason to believe that he could be an asset for the team next year and into the future and that he could even you know maximize his production a little bit more with better familiarity but it also may be that at 30 years old with him again being right around his career number some things being different ground ball rate being too high but the batting average being good whatever, that this is just more or less who he is. And you accept that too. I, again, like I said, it's almost, he's almost getting paid the perfect amount for the production that he's giving. And so uh, the only question is, yeah, do you feel like the intangibles make him a valuable asset to the future of the team? Or would you rather move on from him and, and sort of the veteran experience that he brings, give guys like Bouchard and Winton Bernard a chance uh, do you feel comfortable with Jonathan Daza as your everyday starting center fielder moving forward? Or do you think that the Rockies can and should go out and try to improve their station there? And of course, the big question will be how much money do they have to spend? And and are they willing to spend, I should say? Or to put it another way, how much money does Bill Schmidt have to spend? And then would you rather spend it all on pitching? Because that's still the case, where if I have to do one or the other, if I have to decide between rebuilding the bullpen and getting a quality fifth starter, 
or going and getting that star bat. I'm going to do the first thing. I'm going to do all the pitching. And then, yep, I'm running it back with Grichik and Bert, and hoping one of these young guys pops and Chris Bryant is healthy. Uh, I think that's the best you can do in your outfield if all the money has to go to the pitching. But if you can spend the money on the pitching and feel good about that and still have a little bit left, go get a guy who might be able to hit some home runs. It's a way to go. In the meantime, enjoy Randall Grichik while you've got him. One of those guys who just plays baseball the way I think a lot of us did when we were in Little League, you know? And it's fun. It's a reminder that, yes, even in these dark days, even with the team way out of it, baseball can still be fun. You saw that from Randall Grichik last night. Thank you all for listening into this episode of the podcast. Let me know what you thought of the ball game. Let me know what you think of the future of the Rockies outfield and Randall Grichik by hitting me up on Twitter or in the Discord channel. Otherwise, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.